Hey guys, welcome to the All Sports Best Podcast. Today we have a very special guest on, very excited to have on Taylor Bennett, uh, a friend of mine and also a very important person in the Mariners organization. His third year as an assistant athletic trainer in the MLB, uh, lots of questions for him. We're going to hope we get a part two. It's up to him. We're going to find that out. Taylor, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Just happy to catch up and uh, see where things are going, but really stoked to just get to chat with you and see what, we, what you got. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so three years in the MLB, I want to talk about kind of getting there, but first off, what is this like where you wanted to be? Is this the goal that you set for yourself X amount of years ago? Yeah, I, uh, I was a sophomore in college it was like my first it was after my first semester uh at NAU and Flagstaff uh I was looking for something to do over spring break and we didn't have baseball so I just like asked one of my professors I was like hey do we have any baseball connections and he's like actually yeah we have a deal with the Diamondbacks Whoa. we do we can do tips through them and I was like oh okay well is there any way I could do that he's like yeah let me reach out to their uh their medical director and see if that's something that we could shake out for spring like basically for spring break uh so i was like all right cool i ended up like it ended up working out i actually uh the d-backs are super rigorous with their internship program because they have like an absolute uh just blue chip intern program mm. so for like a week-long internship i had five interviews oh wow um, yeah it's crazy and like i didn't really know anything either i'd been through like one semester of athletic training yeah uh, I did like a bunch of phone interviews and apparently I did good enough that they're like, yeah, you can come in. Uh, so I came in and got to learn a lot uh, of, of advanced things that I never really learned in school. So I was exposed to some really cool stuff and some really smart people uh, really early on. And then after that internship, I was like, yeah, this is where I want to go. Uh, I definitely want to do baseball. I made a lot of good connections and I think because I cleaned the training room for them every day at the end of the day, they mm. invited me back. So I was able to come back during spring break, like four more years and do internships with them. Uh, oh, just really expanded. Yeah, it was, it was so cool. And it, I went the first year I was, I was with them was the last year in Tucson. And then I was able to do three more at the new place in Scottsdale, which was awesome to be in that facility, like world-class facility Yeah, from the day they opened the doors essentially, which was incredible. So, uh, very fortunate met a lot of really cool people and had a really great opportunity to network. And that's kind of how everything kind of phased itself into where I am now from a lot of the people I met with the Diamondbacks. So yeah, just get to know the right people, I guess. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> that is insane. So it all came down to you deciding this is something I'm interested in. You asked a question and from there on your mm -hmm. dream almost came true slowly, yeah. but yeah, and uh, one of the guys that I met with the uh, with the D-backs is a uh, NAU and New Mexico State alum. His oh. name's Jimmy Southern. He's now the uh, he's the assistant medical coordinator with the Dodgers right now. But he ended up uh, as I was going through everything, I was trying to figure out whether I should go to grad school or whether I should go straight into pro ball. He was the medical coordinator for the Mariners at the time. Mm. And I called him and I was like, Hey, should I just go straight into pro ball or should I go to grad school? And he goes, go to grad school. You won't regret it. I was like, okay. And, uh, 
my friend Carolina, who was the grad assistant for track and field at, uh, at NMSU, she was part of the uh, NAU athletic training program a year ahead of me. Oh. And she called me literally like the same day uh, that I had just talked to Jimmy. And I was like, uh, hey, do you guys have any grad assistantships? And she goes, actually, yeah, we have a baseball. <laughs> I was like, wow. Okay, what do I need to do? So she, she gave my name to, to Big Mike and uh, I applied and got it. And then as soon as I graduated from NMSU, I took a job for a short span of time in San Antonio. Just, I needed a job. I couldn't just be just sitting there doing nothing. Yeah. And uh, as soon as that was over, I was working football at, at uh, Incarnate Word in San Antonio. I get a phone call and said, all right, are you ready to come work baseball or what? And it was Jimmy from, from uh, the Mariners who was with the Diamondbacks who went to NMSU, who went to NAU. So I followed the exact same career path, essentially. Wow. <laughs> that was him. And uh, it all worked out. That is insane. What a story. I didn't know this story. I mean, I know a portion of that story, right? Sure. So we met at New Mexico State. I was playing. You were being the athletic trainer, the head guy for baseball. And um, I don't know, something about just being able, as a pitcher, just being able to have so much downtime, spent a lot of it with you guys, just hanging out, yeah. talking at the end of the dugout, you know? Um, so, you know, you were at New Mexico State, and um, at that point, it just seems kind of like things were just falling into place, right? And like you said, Absolutely. people that you know kind of pushed you ahead, right? So um, I wanted to start off with, if you remember this, before we go into more stuff, I, I um, do you remember playing Would You Rather? Oh, yeah. Like, like constant. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to actually need to get some would-you-rathers at the end of this interview, okay. absolutely. Um, and then one of the things that we talked about constantly as well, um, we, we really didn't have, we were always talking about something, but um, about food. Just big foodies, right? <laughs> so um, with that being said, best dish or best place you've been to in Seattle since working uh, with the Mariners? Ooh. There's a place, so I got to hook up. My first year in the big leagues, um, one of our pitchers had a, had a hookup at this Japanese steakhouse in Seattle. It's in Bellevue, um, and it's called Ascend. It's on like the, basically like the top floor of this huge high rise mm. in Bellevue, Washington, which is just across the, the lake from Seattle. And uh, they have, you name it, it's probably the most show spot I've been to in Seattle, as, as we would call it. Yeah. Um, and so I was able to take my, uh, my wife, Molly there, uh, for her birthday. And that was pretty incredible. Yeah. All the, all the Wagyu, the Kobe beef, all that stuff. So we, we went full send on it. Uh, there was no fear in ordering. We just <laughs> went for it. And, uh, thanks to, thanks to Justin Dunn for the hookup. <laughs> yeah. So, and you said the place was called send. Yeah. Ascend. Yeah. Oh, Ascend. Cause gotcha. It, it, so high up, yeah, kind of fits the bill. Okay, very cool. Mm-hmm. All right, solid. Yep. Um, all right, so we have a pretty good idea of how players rise to the minor leagues. They, you know, right place, right time. Very good at what they do, and they be, you know, they're what they need at that time. Um, athletic training. I am clueless how to rise through the ranks. You had to go from single A, right, like rookie ball, all the way through, almost yep. like a bit like a big leaguer. How did that? Mm-hmm. How yeah. does that happen? So when I when I got hired on in I think it was December of sixteen, 
going in for the 2017 season, I got hired on and, uh, I started in short season, which is, uh, Everett, which is now our high affiliate. There's been some restructuring in the minor leagues, but okay. went there, uh, did a short season. So came in just like everybody else did spring training. Uh, I was able to be there early cause I'm local to, to Phoenix, uh, Arizona region. So was able to come in and kind of get a feel for everything beforehand. And mm. thankfully I already knew the, my boss. So I had a pretty good idea of what he wanted to see and what expectations were, but got to come in, work, meet a lot of players, uh, build relationships before even spring training started, went through spring training. And, uh, I got to work under the tutelage of our, uh, of our AZL athletic trainer. So he's the one at the very, at the very first league. So when guys get drafted, uh, at that point in time, they either got sent to the Arizona summer league, um, or they got sent to short season. So a lot of the high school guys and younger players or guys coming from the Dominican Academy will play in Arizona for the summer. Um, mm. and potentially depending on their performance, they'll go up to short season or something like that. That was, now we don't have short season. We just have the Arizona complex league. Then you go low, a high, a double, a triple, a, um, so, and then a lot of the, the collegiate guys will end up getting sent to the short season teams. So just, it's a little slightly more advanced, but not a huge difference. Mm. Um, so did spring training, then you have extended spring training, uh, because the draft hasn't happened yet. So you don't have a roster yet for a short season team. Okay. So you just basically, uh, continue spring training on for another like six weeks. There's a lot of inter squad scrimmages. We'll go scrimmage other teams, uh, around the Valley, um, and just get guys built up for, for the season get the pitchers built up, get position players at bats and just work on all the fundamentals. That's basically the fundamental league there. And, uh, then once, once the draft happens, everything gets packed up, you truck it up to Washington. And that's where I started that year. It's like 60 games. It's a short season, 64 games, something like that. So, um, yeah, I got to get all the new players out of the draft and kind of, mm. uh, build a rapport with them. And our goal, at least with the Mariners is to try to, get guys some guys coming out of college will have a routine pitchers are usually better than position players just because of the nature of pitching you need to have some sort of a routine to be successful sure. um and then we just try to establish routines for those guys at really early levels so that way by the time they get to the big leagues they already have a pretty established routine from physical prep to weight room prep to doing their daily stuff uh from skill building uh as a, as a player so i uh, did that and then just kind of matriculated up. Uh, the, the next season, I went to our low A affiliate in Clinton, Iowa, which is now uh, not part of our affiliate list. We now have Modesto as our as our low A affiliate. Went mm. there. Then I went high A the next year, uh, which is which was Modesto. It, there's just been a lot of reshuffling, but uh, yeah, short season, low A, high A, and then I was supposed to go to double A in 2020, but uh, the whole COVID thing went down. I was working a little bit of uh, major league spring training at the time. Uh, just, we have a, a little program with our minor league trainers that each uh, minor league trainer gets a week on the big league side. And so uh, I was in the middle of my big league rotation when everything kind of shut down. And mm. I got a phone call in June from our head athletic trainer, uh, Kyle Torgerson, who came over from the Diamondbacks. He was, the, he was their first assistant uh, athletic trainer and he took the job as the head athletic trainer with the Mariners. He's from uh, Edmonds, Washington. So he got his dream job. He got to be the head guy for the hometown team. Yeah. And I actually met him when he was with the Diamondbacks when I was interning over there. So again, another connection <laughs> yeah. uh, from the internship days. And 
he said, hey, I want you to go to our alternate training site. we got to have an alternate training site to keep guys ready in case we need to call up, send down guys, et cetera. So I was over there as the assistant uh, for that. And then in 2020, at the end of the season, I would say November, right after I got married, I got to interview for the major league job and uh, mm. the rest is history. So in, in what, cause what it sounds like is you almost just, here's your assignment and then you moved on. How, how do they mm-hmm. go? Hey, you know what? Can you go up a level? Was there something that goes into that? Um, a lot of it is based off of uh, your, I would say I, I, the thing I preach the most day in and day out is it's about players. It's not about me. Um, as support staff, you have to adopt the mindset that it's not about you. It's about getting the players in the most successful position to go out and do what they need to do. Mm. I don't have a job if it's not for players. I'm not working in professional baseball if there's no professional baseball players. So True. my main goal is help the players become the best version of what they want to be and to keep them healthy, uh, to help them build routines and just hold them accountable to stuff like that. So. One, you have that component, building relationships, uh, helping the players, doing what's in the best interest of the player and the organization as well, because if players succeed, organizations succeed. Right. And then a lot of it goes on uh, general skill, like what you know, how you can apply it, uh, critical thinking, because no, uh, no injury or no player is the exact same as mm. any other one player. Everybody's a little different. So how can you apply your skill set and uh, – your knowledge and ability to manage and work with people uh, effectively and help them uh, while also basically like not having a lot of noise, if that makes sense. Like the, the, I always look at it this way. If, if my boss doesn't have to pick up the phone on my behalf or because of me, uh, that's usually a good thing. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> aside sense. from the general like communication, it's like, how well can you communicate? How well do you work with players? How well do you work with staff? And how uh, how skilled are you mm. uh, in in managing that? Because there's just a lot to navigate from that side of things. So uh, as skill builds, uh, typically you'll follow or go a little bit higher. Um, and I was I was kind of tasked when I was in high A. We had a large group of prospects that came through that year. Yeah, uh, my task was basically protect the golden geese mm. and uh, make sure they go to the next level. Uh, things worked out well. Uh, they did well. And I don't necessarily think because they did well, I was able to move on. But uh, I've actually, interestingly enough, followed those guys all the way up to the big leagues. Oh, so they stuck like with the organization, our, most of them, or all uh, of them? The majority, yeah, the yeah. majority of them. So we have like five or six guys up in the big leagues right now that I worked with from high A on. Um, and we've known each other now for five or six years. And so that's oh, been cool. really cool. So I think that was, that probably played a role, just like having the relationship with those guys and knowing their day to day inside and out, knowing their bodies inside and out and like what makes them go, what keeps them healthy uh, and knowing that they're a big part of the organizational plan. Sure. Uh, I think that probably served a, to some benefit on my behalf. Was one of those guys Julio? Yep. Oh, cool. Yep. We had uh, J-Rod came through at the end of 2019 and set the world on fire. Uh, in high A, he, I think he hit like 450. He's oh, there God. for like 19. Yeah. And he did some things. Like, I knew who Julio was, but he wasn't like the J Rod that everybody sees now. Sure. Um, uh, in terms of like, he was a big prospect, but it wasn't like 
he was fully on the radar yet in terms of five tool ability. And then he showed up on day one and got five knots. And uh, <laughs> that'll guy, open some like, eyes, huh? Yeah, the kid, 19 years old, 18 years old, he's like 6'3, 230, and he hits a chopper, a routine chopper to short. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. He, he'll be out. And I look over and he's like two steps past first base by the time the ball gets there. Wow. And I was like, I didn't know he, I didn't know he had it like that. And he goes, yeah, I told you I'm fast. I was like, all right, I see that. So, <laughs> uh, from that point on, I knew that he was a special dude. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. I actually, one of the things that I associate with him, because I feel like it's kind of a newer thing is, you know, home runs and success in the dugout. They, they give him the Triton, right? Yeah. The Trident. Yeah. <laughs> how, or, there you go. The Trident. Sorry. Um, how yeah. heavy is that by the way? Have you ever I held it? like 35 pounds. Really? Yeah. I, yeah it's, uh, it's all caked <laughs> in like, in like pine tar and rosin now because all the guys grab it with all their stuff. Uh-huh. Um, every now and then, like a guy just wants to k- kind of get rid of it cause he doesn't want to be responsible for stabbing somebody with it. So they'll like uh-huh. hand it to one of us or something like that. But yeah, it's no joke. It's a real deal. Uh, like 35, 40 pounds. And it's sharp. Yeah. So the first <laughs> day that we got it, um, Ty France was down in the tunnel before the game and he's like, man, this thing could do some damage. And, uh, he, he turned it sideways and he like speared the door with it. <laughs> what? And he, yeah, he speared the door with it and he like dented the door. And it, it was, was a metal door? door. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, uh, thankfully it like, it like doled all the tips on the end of it. So we don't have that issue anymore, but yeah, we definitely make sure that thing stays vertical at all times. So it's noted <laughs> Ty France is a player safety guy. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. I <laughs> for the boys. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, we don't have to go into numbers, but from minor leagues to big leagues, is it just like, uh, you know, the players, is there a significant salary bump, you know, lifestyle change that happens for even trainers and other staff? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the, the difference uh, the first thing I noticed outside of like, the obvious, you know, you get a, you get a salary raise and you get better benefits and um, the per diem's better, et cetera. And, you know, all the perks uh, of being in the big leagues. But the day that we hopped on the plane to fly up to Seattle in 21 after spring training, because uh, I had been cruising around the minor leagues on buses and, oh. you know, t- yeah, I, for, fortunately for my, for my own health, I didn't have to do the bus trips uh, in the Texas league because those are not short. Uh, but we definitely did some long bus trips at, at different stops along the way, mm. you know, eight hour bus trips. And, uh, you, you really get a chance to bond with guys, but you know, flying in a plane is pretty nice. And we got on this plane and it was like no plane I'd ever been on. And you just kind of, you hop on the team bus, you roll up on the tarmac and you walk straight on the plane. If there's, there's no going through the airport like we did back in El Paso. Um, <laughs> <laughs> throw back to the NMSU days. Yeah, dragging your equipment through the security line, checking it in, all that stuff. Like we didn't have, we don't have to do that. Wow. Uh, very fortunate, and I don't take it for granted. But I just remember sitting on this plane, and I'm just like, "Whoa!" Like, and it's a private it plane, recliner chairs, yeah. or like, what are some of the better parts of that plane? So our plane layout, we charter a plane through Delta, um, but it's like it's completely laid out differently than a normal like um, passenger plane. So you have first class seating all the way back. Mm. Uh, so there's two there's two chairs, those big comfy fluffy chairs with all the leg room you could hope to have. Oh my gosh. Uh, the Joe Corper, the Joe Corper necessary leg room if you remember yeah. those days, <laughs> trying to sneak him into the emergency exit row just so he could like actually 
stretch his legs out a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, it's like that the whole way. So when you walk on, the players uh, on our plane will sit in the front. They have the the first class seating there, and then there's a there's a couple tables uh, between two rows, so the guys can play cards, hang out, and it gets wow. pretty wild up there. Yeah, like it's the the front half of the player seating is like a club. They bring this giant speaker on there, and it's it's loud. And they have a good time, and there's a lot of like blackjack and poker going on, or whatever else they're playing that day. And then the back section of the of the player seating is a little quieter. Guys can take naps, just chill out, relax. And then it goes back to like the coaches area, which is set up very similar to the front of the player section, so that they can have meetings and game plan and strategize and do oh, all their cool. work there. And then it goes back into just the the two per aisle uh, seating all the way back for the rest of the support staff and media. Do you notice uh, a change throughout the year from, you know, how trips go and all of that, the things that, you know, the, the fact that things are getting more serious as the year goes on, or is it all just pretty much the same throughout? Um, we, so the only, the biggest difference in terms of like travel and all that stuff, we have a game called happy flight, like the happy flight game. And uh, when we, when we end a, a travel series uh everybody can jump in on this and basically it's just a pool and uh you you pick the the arrival time so as soon as the wheels oh. touch down on the car so if you get it right you get the you get the the cash so uh <laughs> oh that's that cool fun. but in terms of uh in terms of general day-to-day like the guys try to for the most part and everybody we all try to stay pretty even keel like you know how baseball is yeah. the long season um to ride the roller coaster is uh, not something that you necessarily want to do because if you're up and down all the time, uh, being in a clubhouse with a bunch of people, uh, I feel like baseball players more than anybody uh, can read people and understand people really well just because you're constantly around, you know, 40 to 50 people every single day right. for hours on end. And so consistency is key. Um, obviously, when when uh, the lights shine bright and we got big series going on, like there's a little bit more focus potentially, a little bit more intensity going on, but in terms of uh, being in the MLB, guys do a pretty good job of flipping the switch for the most part. Like it's it's important to be able to like break down what happened that night, good or bad. Um, but once the game's over, it's like all right, let's like be human beings and enjoy ourselves and and hang out with our teammates and and have fun, keep the energy high, keep the vibes good, as Gino likes to say, good vibes only and. Yeah. Uh, and just be consistent. Just be the same guy every day, and uh, usually that breeds success. Very cool. So who's so? Can you give us insight? Maybe a couple names uh, for guys that are at the front being loud, and guys that are more reserved. Um, it kind of varies from time to time. Like we have some guys that that uh, typically like just like to relax on the plane. Uh, I know I know Cal's a big one. I mean, he's catching every day, so. Mm. To be able to like relax and sleep a little bit on the plane uh, is is big. Uh, the pitchers usually have a little bit more downtime, um, so you know how pitchers like to be. Like you know, you have downtime, so you you get really good at finding uh, things to do and things to be entertained by. Yeah. So the pitching group from time to time on the front end of the plane will get after it a little bit and just have fun, um, just keep the energy high. Um, and then position players, being that they play every day. Uh, a lot of times we'll kind of take more of the back seat and just relax a little okay. bit just because they're playing every single day. So we're getting that, you know, that plane layout kind of, I, I get you. Sure. Um, sure. Are players less or more needy 
um, at the highest level? Generally. Um, I would say they're more consistent. So um, we have a really awesome group that I work with um, and, and our medical staff and whole high performance staff from our strength coaches to uh, mental, mental skills and mental health and as well as like nutrition, like everybody's dialed in. Everybody mm. does a great job. Um, so our goal is always to just keep them in a good routine and be open. Uh, I wouldn't say we have any needy players like this, this group of guys is as easy to work with as anybody. Very cool. Um, it's, I would say the need dependent on things is relative to like their workload and how much they're playing. Like if you're playing every day, you know, you're going to need certain things. Cause after one, man, when you get to 162, man, like, Oh my gosh, you're grinding. Oh, I believe <laughs> you know? it. Uh, you're grinding. And so, um, the easy, the, probably the easiest guys to work with on a day-to-day basis is just in terms of routine and starters, just because they have it all laid out from mm. day one to day five. Uh, you know what they're getting on day one, day two, day three, day four, day five. Um, the challenges from our side of things will come a little bit more from position players, just because you don't know what's going to happen in a game, what plays they're going to have to make, how much they're going to be on base, how much they're running around. Uh, one guy, you know, you might have a pitcher go out and throw a complete game shutout and he's shoving and throws, you know, punching out 12 dudes and the position players are kind of just chilling. Or you might have a game where, you know, the ball's flying around and guys are running and it's getting crazy and yeah. you have to adapt. So our goal is to adapt for the player to be able to give them what they need. Uh, but in terms of that, um, guys are in pretty good, pretty good spot uh, routine wise. And they know what they need for the most part by the time they get to the big leagues. We do have a, lar- uh, a large group of younger players. I'd say we have a pretty young group in comparison to the rest of MLB. So some of that early on is getting them established in those routines and allowing them to have routines that fit the major league schedule um, and the demands of a, the day-to-day from a major league standpoint. But, um, yeah, not too much not too much neediness going on. Sure. Guys want to play. That's the thing. Like. The, the biggest difference I'll say between the big leagues and the minor leagues is, uh, from from my lens, uh, is, you know, if you're in the minor leagues and, and you have a little, you know, you got aches and pains, bumps and bruises, it's like there's always a goal to get to the big leagues, right? So the, the, the thought process is meant to preserve that goal, right? We want to keep you available to get you to the big league. So if we need to scratch you that day, we'll scratch you. Um if we need to give you an extra day, we'll give you an extra day. Cause we have the flexibility to do that with roster sizes in the minor leagues. Mm. But in the big leagues, it's like, like you're here. Like you want to play, you're paid to play. Um, you're at the point that you want to be at and it's about winning at this point. So, uh, it's keeping them as, as healthy and available to play every single day as we possibly can. Wow. Okay. That makes sense. Um, yeah. all right. So, I wanted to kind of go into a almost a would you rather, but a it's gonna be it's called start two bench one cut one. It's usually start one bench one cut one, um, but each division has five teams. You guys are one okay. of them, so you get four um, facilities. You've got Texas, you've got Oakland, you've got Houston, and you've got Los Angeles. Start two bench one cut one. I would start us and Texas from facilities. But you get another one then. You get another one. Oh. Yeah. So then let's okay. so we'll assume that you start yours for sure. Okay. Um I would start let's see. That's tough. The easy the easy cut is Oakland. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's what I was figuring. It is what it is. Like 
there's something about playing the Coliseum. I'll say this from like a field standpoint, like surface grass infield, immaculate, beautiful. It's mm. unreal. Like you, you hear the stuff about Oakland and you know, the facilities aren't great, but the field is in tremendous shape. Um, so that's great. But from a facility standpoint, not great because it's old and decrepit and obviously they're trying to get out of there. I was going to um, say, what is so <laughs> bad about it? It just feels like it's going to crumble on you or what's the, what's the deal? Yeah, there's just not, I mean, I think everybody knows that I think Oakland would have liked to stay in Oakland um, personally, but they just haven't had the support to get a new stadium Mm. essentially. So there's not a whole lot of investment into the stadium that you don't want to be in. Right. So um, there's that it's old. It's, it was built as an old football stadium more than anything. So from a clubhouse standpoint and like training room and weight room standpoint, like it, it just doesn't necessarily meet the needs of the modern MLB uh, facility. Okay. Uh, Texas brand new. It's state of the art. Everything is great. Can't beat it. Tough to beat. Um, so yeah, they'll, I think they got the All Star game next year, so they'll get to show that thing off a little bit. Houston, we just have our feelings about Houston, uh, but the stadium's nice. Uh, dugouts are nice. Clubhouse is solid. Food's great. Training rooms got plenty of room. Um, so they would, I would say, Texas and Houston. Um, those are your starters. I, yeah, okay. I would. I would guess. Kind of like it's. It's kind of a wash between Houston and Anaheim. Like Texas is the obvious start, and then it's just kind of like personal preference uh, between Houston and Anaheim. Uh, actually, I would say Anaheim is a starter. Houston's a cut or uh, a bench, and Oakland's a cut. Okay. <laughs> All right. Very cool. Yeah. You talked about like some of the things that come with the facility and. Um, the food and stuff like that. So they are the ones that provide you guys with like the post game spread, pregame snacks and mm-hmm. food and all of that. Yeah. So you have your, you have your visiting clubhouse attendants and all those guys. You have every, uh, every visiting clubhouse has a chef. Uh, so there's a lot of made to order stuff as well. Uh, our nutritionist and um, our director of uh, sports science work together to kind of create the menu. So they do a lot of picking and choosing of, what we're ordering on a day-to-day basis. So most of that gets catered in, but all the clubhouses will have a chef there to, uh, oh. to do like made to order stuff, whether it's like a pasta bar or like made to order breakfast, stuff like that. Um, yeah. So the food varies depending on where you're at. So you kind of get a, most, most places typically like to do like, uh, depending on nutritional value, obviously like we want to have guys eating good food. Yeah. Um, so it's not always like, Hey, let's just show off all the good stuff in the city. If it's like, not the necessarily like the best thing to be fueling athletes with, but right. a lot of times we'll kind of get a, a, a taste of, uh, you know, taste of Texas or a taste of Baltimore, New York really put like shows out. They go, yeah, there's no better spread in, in the big leagues than, than, uh, at the Yankees place. Okay. So, those guys, yeah. They, they, they show out. It's like the best of everything from New York every night. Um, they'll have like pizza nights, but everything is like, you have your main spread They'll have like a feature dish, and so so like if if you're in New York or something, uh, they'll have you know New York pizza on the side. They have like the whole dessert tray, like full Italian spread, all that stuff like that. So you get you get just about anything you want in the majority of places you go to. I'd probably mosey over to the junk every time, at least every time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm guilty. Oh, guilty I be- every time. I believe it. You got to be. You got to be. Um, take advantage. According to your bio, you reside in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, mm-hmm. I'd imagine that's where your wife is. So, um, so 
Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you, like, how does that work for you and your wife and then, like, your living situation? So, uh, my wife is the absolute stud of the of the relationship. Uh, I just get to go, like, do the stuff that I really like doing. And fortunately for me, I, I've been blessed enough to do a job that meets the meets what I like to do and also pays me to do it. Sure. Uh, I'm, I feel very fortunate in that regard because I know some people kind of grind it out doing jobs they don't necessarily like to, to be able to provide. And so to be able to do something that I've been well-equipped to do, um, I have a passion to do and something that brings me a lot of fulfillment uh, wow. and also to get paid for it is just like a huge blessing. So that's awesome. But my wife is like uber adventurous and she's down for anything. So every season uh, since we got married, she she's uh, come up to Seattle. So she comes up to Seattle for the entire season. Oh, and then yeah, we have a house in Phoenix, and we just end up renting it out. So we basically like snowbird it, um, and really we get cool. out of it. Yeah. So then when we come back, we're back in Phoenix, and I'll go back into the to our uh, complex there in Peoria a couple times a week and just check in on guys and help out where I can. So do you guys like rent uh, an apartment or a, a house in Seattle? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we bounced around. We kind of like, we've kind of looked at it like, all right, let's, let's try different areas of Seattle to see which ones we like the most. That's kind of how it's worked out. Sure. Um, so we've had three different places in three different years. So there, there's a little bit of stress, like at times trying to find a, a place to live uh, during like, spring training and trying to get that all nailed down. Ideally before spring training ever starts, just so that like, that stress is off the table, but, yeah. uh, yeah, we bounce around a little bit and find different places. And yeah, she, she drives up every year. Um, we, we ship, ship my vehicle and then she drives up with our dog and our cat and whatever other stuff we have left. And she's, she's a warrior. She gets after it. That's um, awesome. I have nothing, but I can't say enough good things about my wife because without my wife, my life wouldn't be uh, nearly as cool as it is. So, uh, she holds it down for, for the squad. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's your rock for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So Seattle, Phoenix, how does, I don't even, I'm trying to like wrap my head around somebody going, yeah, I'll rent your house for a par- portion of the year and then I'll get out. Like, how does mm-hmm. that, how do you do that? Is it like Airbnb or? Yeah. So we actually, okay. uh, we, we, the first year we had a tenant that was like looking for a six month lease and that's how that worked out. Um, uh, and then we've, we have, interns that work at our at our complex in in peoria uh throughout the year uh so we'll have like a full season intern uh for our arizona complex league whether it's strength intern or uh, uh athletic training intern and oh, so we've actually turned that into like the intern house uh, more than anything so it's really nice to like you get some peace of mind knowing that there's people like in your organization living in your house rather than like a random stranger <laughs> there's um, some accountability so, there yeah yeah for sure and uh and so we rent it out to the interns and then it, the schedule fits perfectly because by the time we're done with the season, they're done with their internship and then we just move right back in. So it's okay. super easy. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's nice. It's perfect. Okay. I've got one more question for you. I know that you've got a, a bus to catch today. Um, the Everett Aqua Sox, you have a big, you have a baseball card with them. I found it. Um, do you have a big league baseball card? Have you seen other ones? And do you have this in your possession? I have, I have uh, a lot of the Everett Aqua Sox cards. They're actually at my. They reside at my mother's house. Okay. At this point, uh, she's in charge of. If she wants to divvy those out, she can. 
Um, I hope you never found my Clinton Lumber Kings card because I'd like to get a hold of all those ones and burn them. But uh, was it a bad uh, one? <laughs> it wasn't my most uh, flattering photo. So okay. They needed to take a picture of me for a baseball card, and it just happened to be like the one time they caught me, and uh, that was that. But um, <laughs> the one time they caught you sneezing. <laughs> yeah, it was like I was like late to getting out on the field, and I like, had a bunch of stuff in my hands and didn't have uh. time to get my hair right and it was just a tough day. <laughs> so, okay. um, yeah, but uh, I got baseball cards in, yeah, at each minor league affiliate that I was at. My uh, my Modesto card is my favorite. I tried to uh, I tried to wrangle Cal in Cal Raleigh into my baseball card so that it would have some sort of value later on. Yeah, you know, I was hedging there and it, it seemed to pay off but uh that's my favorite card personally is the uh they were like hey uh do something like uh like a trainer would do and cal was standing there so i just like grabbed his arm and it just kind of looks like we're shaking hands more than anything so <laughs> um but i like that card a lot uh but yeah i do not have a big league baseball card i think it kind of typically stops there but uh, i'm okay with that I, oh i'm more of a games guy <laughs> sure so it's not it's not something that happens really minor leagues or uh, majors I, yeah the, they usually stick to the players on that one which is totally cool by me <laughs> <laughs> okay and you don't have to worry about being caught off guard exactly so exactly at least send me the send me the the, the shot to see if we can get some approval but uh doesn't always happen that way. <laughs> exactly. how many people have told you from maybe your past or you know former athletes nmsu included have reached out and said like, Hey, I saw you on TV. It happens pretty regularly. Yeah. Um, a lot of it depends on uh, how we're doing because you know, when that trident starts rolling through the dugout, uh, it's pretty hard not to be seen. Uh, sure. so I, I'll get a lot of good ones from time to time. Uh, that, I feel like my, that's how my wife sees me the most on a, on a uh, road trip basis is, uh, is dependent on how well we're playing. Cause you get a lot more dugout shots when, uh, when things are rolling. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I get a lot or, you know, every now and then, like, my good friends will, will text me and be like, hey, like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know what you're talking about. You have to be so, on your so best behavior, be, huh? Absolutely. <laughs> Got to be aware. Got to know where the camera's at when the red light's on and uh, make sure you're not, like, sticking your nose or, right. like, yeah, something weird. Who knows? <laughs> um, okay. I, I probably said last question a couple times already, but I do have another question. Your uh, your wife living in Seattle, she goes to a game. Is there a section for her? And, it, you know, what does that look like? Um, it depends on – she usually sits. So we get, like, obviously uh, we'll get benefits on, on tickets. Um, sure. Majority of games, we get free tickets at home. On the road, um, it's a little bit easier just because the amount of tickets that are uh, provided to the visiting team. So – um, when when we're on the road, she'll sit in the family section uh, with everybody else and hang out. She has a great net, network of of, uh, of the wives, and she loves to mingle and hang out with all the all the ladies, and they have a great time. Last year in the playoffs was awesome. She had the, the time of her life. Uh, we always ask each other multiple times a year, like, "What was your favorite part of this past year?" This and that, and it always comes up. And the last you know calendar year, it's been playoffs. Like playoffs okay. last year was incredible run. So. We had a great time. And then at home, um, it's funny because when I was in the minor leagues in, in high A is when we started dating, she came out for a couple of, couple of series and she'd go to some games. Wasn't a huge baseball fan by any means. Uh, mm. And now she's like 
all about it. We'll talk at the end of the day and like do the recap of the game. And she'd be like, Oh, like that was sick. Or like, what was so-and-so doing? Or, you know, she like, she's all in her family's all in and they weren't like big baseball people either. That's awesome. uh, so it's funny to see how like the game gets a hold of people. And like, once you know people, uh, how invested you can be, but yeah, since we started in Seattle, she like year one, I think she went to probably like 40 or 50 games last year. She probably went to like 80 something games. Um, this year she's been a little bit busier doing her own, uh, like side hustles and projects and stuff. So she's been to a few less games, but she'll kind of bounce around the ballpark, mm-hmm. uh, sit with people. She'll, she brings a lot of people to games that she knows in Seattle and like just uses that as a way to like hang out with people and like get to know people and offer that up as well. So yeah, wow. she, she that's gets a, after it. That's a cool networking tool too. It really is. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So like she's got a, she's got a great network in Seattle. So. All those people, if they want to come to a game, they can come out, hang out with her, and like just have a good time. Yeah. All right. Well, Taylor, I really do appreciate you uh, spending time on the podcast. It was great to catch up with you. I've got so many more questions for you. I'll probably be shooting you texts. Um, yeah. So thank you again. I'm going to be rooting for the Mariners. I'm going to be rooting for the Diamondbacks first. Then I'm going to be rooting for the Mariners. They really aren't in the same race, so it doesn't matter right now. So. Yeah, we just got to hope for a D-backs Mariners World Series. That would be amazing. That would be incredible. I, w- I will see you there if that's if that's what happens. Absolutely. Count me in. Count me in. Let's, <laughs> let's make it happen. All right. Well, have a great day and uh, definitely appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Trey. Appreciate you, man.